What the hell's the name of this thing? It's Wayne's World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, crown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another fascinating edition of Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn, and with us from the Jet Bridge in Houston. <laughs> no, the Jet Bridge here. No, he's oh, in Houston. He is in Houston. He, he's a, he said George Bush. He said he was a George Bush. Uh, you know what? I just, I just That just completely slipped Unless on. he's on the George Bush. I don't know. No, no, no. He's at the George Bush. Evan Grant, are you there, Evan? I'm walking the baggage claim. Wow, that is so great. You know, that is just the, the miracle of modern science. We're, we're taping this on Monday. Monday. So Evan is preparing for the series there against the Astros, which, you know, at one point in the season would have been a really big series. I'm not sure how big a series it is right now. Evan, can you put it in perspective for us? It's not a big series. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> and now we'll move on. Evan. Uh, here's, the deal. Here's the deal. Wait, wait. I think it is a big series from this perspective, Kevin, that – Listen, the Rangers really need to win home field advantage in the American League. And so there may not be much of a race in the American League West, but there's a close race for, for home field advantage. And uh, so these Houston games are, are important. And even after the Rangers wrap up the AL West, which I expect them to do within the, in the week or so, those games are going to be important because this team needs to have every game it can at home. Uh, to maximize the ability of of Darvish and Hamels to pitch at home multiple times, um, that's their best advantage in the postseason. So, so they're they're one game up currently on the Indians, correct? As we speak here on Monday morning, you know the the issue for me isn't so much Darvish and Hamels; it's that obviously someone else is going to have to pitch. And, and with the exception of, of Lewis, right. who looked, I thought Kobe, you know, except for the home runs he kept giving, you know, if, if uh, Andrelton Simmons, you know, could, could uh, play against Kobe all year long, the guy had hit 60 home runs. Uh, but if, if you're going to have to have a third and fourth starter, these are guys who are unbelievably better at home, uh, Martin Perez and Derek Holland, than they are on the road. Uh, absolutely. Um, I. I think that uh, Colby, you know, when he went out, he was 4-0 uh, on the road. And uh, his ERA was right in line with what his season ERA was at that point in June. Uh, it comes back yesterday. He gave up the three home runs and gave up three home runs. The guys who, as he said, don't hit home runs. But he's markedly he's been markedly better on the road this year than Perez, Holland, or Griffin. They're, they're combined six. And 16 with a 5.92 ERA. Colby's pitched on the road in the postseason. Uh, he's pitched well on the road in the postseason. You know, he won won that key game three in the uh, in the division series in 2011. And um, he uh, he re- he started the game game two in St. Louis when they came back and won two to one to even that series. So uh, he's got four starts. He's got three more starts probably here to. Uh, to make his case, and and I think the Rangers are hoping that he does. The, Ra- the Rangers want him to make his case, uh, yeah. don't they? That's what I just said. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting to me. What is the difference between this year and last year in Jeff Bannister's 
uh, uh, assessment of Colby Lewis. Have you seen the other guy's pitch? Do you think it, you think it's just a matter of that, or do you think he just feels like that Colby has made a step forward this year over what he was last year? Well, I think look, Colby pitched really well um, until he went down, and I think that that last year he also pitched well, but the guy pitched 200 innings and he was pitching on that resurfaced hip, and and I think at the end of the year he he was a little bit fatigued. Uh, so that I think played a factor. He's going to be fresh this year. And the other thing is, uh, you know, he pitched in Toronto this year, which is a, a place where he did not pitch well previously and against a lineup that he didn't really seem to match up well against. But you definitely don't want lefties going out there against Toronto if you happen to face them in the division series. Holland pitched awful against Toronto in the postseason last year and was absolutely hammered this year against them. Perez has been awful on the road. You know, last year he, he veered away from Colby because the matchups were bad and what the status was at that particular moment, not just the body of work for the season. And so I think that this year the same will hold true. I don't think there's anything different. I think what's changed is that that Colby's pitched better and the guys around them have not. So if let, let's say uh, Colby – did not get this straightened out. I, I think it looks like he will, and and that's what I, I'm betting on is that he ends up being the number three. But let's say he doesn't. Who would be? Who you think is the best bet of those other three? Uh, I think that that would be. Boy, that's there's a no win situation there. I, I think Holland Holland is a good matchup against Cleveland, um, but Cleveland has hit lefties well. Um, but he's always pitched well in Cleveland. I think Perez is got the best body of work, but he's also he's been jittery on the road. He's been jittery and in, in, in falling to big innings. That Toronto lineup is full of right-handed hitters that just crush lefties. Um, and I just, I you know, I don't think AJ Griffin really really figures in this mix. I, I just don't think he does. He's he's a five-inning pitcher at best right now, and he's he's. He's very home run prone. So, do you, do, you, do you see him pitching uh, coming in in relief uh, at all? Do you, will the bullpen look any different in the postseason than it's looked? Uh, well, I think what's interesting right now is that this week in Houston, Derek's going to be in the bullpen, um, and to me, that says an awful lot about that. The Rangers are looking at at Holland as yet another lefty for the bullpen, particularly in light of Jake Diekman's recent struggles, and I think it also says something about that. That Jeff Bannister is not all that thrilled about the idea of, of Derek pitching in a uh, uh, in a road postseason game. Yeah, I thought that was kind of odd yesterday when he said that he was going to be available, and then and then uh, I thought it was extremely odd. Yeah, because you know, I, I just said because it, it, it appeared that they were they were skipping Hollander, they were going to push him back a couple days, and uh, because what, what is happening is you Darvish is pitching Wednesday, and by moving Darvish into Wednesday. And by adding Colby to the rotation this past week, you built in two extra off days between Holland's start, and then you have the off day this Thursday. So you'd have a week, and in all likelihood, the Rangers are going to start Cole Hamels on Friday to keep him on as close to normal rest as possible. So you were looking at eight days without without Derek if you didn't drop him in earlier, and, and I just think he made the, the decision that he's the most expendable guy right now. But he was the one who volunteered he's going to the bullpen. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, and I thought that said a lot as well, uh, what they think about his prospects. You know, I thought it was interesting, too, yesterday when, when Alvarez came in at that point in the game because it, it was hard to get a read on what, uh, uh, you know, Bannister was thinking. Did he think at this point that I just want to get some work for these other guys and see them? You know, because, you know, as, as you wrote, it started to look like an exhibition game uh, you know, shortly after that. But I'm also wondering, you know, uh, they have to really be worried about Jake Diekman at this point. And if he's going to, even though he did show some progress, as you noted the other day in his last outing. He had to show progress. Well, yeah, he couldn't get any worse than what he was. Couldn't get any worse than he Right. But they have to really be worried about him now and whether he is going to be able to correct that. Because, you know, uh, when a guy has a really funky delivery like he does, that's not an easy thing to fix. You know, we, we, we talked about and you wrote about um, um, with you Darvish and the, and the corrections that he made and the corrections that Cole Hamels is working on. These are veteran pitchers, very, very great pitchers, first of all, who, to me, when they have to – once they identify something that's the matter, I, I don't worry about those guys at all. I look at it as a situation like these guys will get it figured out. They'll be okay. Uh, a Jake Diekman is a different matter. Well, I, I think the biggest thing on Deegan, as you said, is the difference in delivery. And and for me, what it looked like when I went back and looked at the pitch charts, just superficially, the first time that he went, the first couple times he went out there, he was missing with the fastball low and away. Uh, if you're if you're looking from a left-handed batter's perspective, so then the last time he went out there, he was missing a low and in and. It almost looked to me like he had he had overcompensated with with how he tweaked his delivery. Um, I, I'm told that's not the case. I'm, I'm told that that he just made significant he made significant strides after the home run to Seager. That he was he was really trying to to place the ball is what Doug Brocale said, and you know that's. Uh, I, I, that's never a good thing. I know, Kevin, in all your years as a pitching coach in, in Little League, you always told your, your kids never to uh, don't aim the ball. Don't aim ball. it. Just throw it, fire it in there, Tiger. Yeah, that's so, – um, Well, that's an – you know, because he does uh, – you, you know, for, for people who don't kind of understand the difference in what he's doing when he throws, you know, it, it is pretty basic. One of the things I believe they said about uh, Cole Hamels the other day was that he was pointing his plant foot out – when he landed, yeah. and you know, one of the yeah. things you first thing you tell a kid, he's not listening. Evan's not listening to you anymore. Evan is arguing over a bag, over his, yeah. uh, his Louis yeah. Vuitton bag with yeah. some lady. I'm completely listening to you. I, Kevin is quoting my stories, Barry, which it's clear he's read them and learned something. <laughs> well, I am learning and- every day. But the, the the point about Cole Hamlet is that his foot is pointing out. You know, the thing is, that every kid, everything you tell a kid is that when you put that plant foot down, make sure it is pointing toward home plate. You know, just so everything gets aligned correctly. With a guy like Jake Diekman, he is not going to be aligned correctly. That is not the way he delivers the baseball. And so there's just, to me, that's just the, the, the danger of this kind of guy. It's a very funky delivery, so it's it's hard to pick up if you're a hitter. But it's also very hard to me to get to duplicate that and to keep that going over the long and I, time. And I think even with Cole, you know, Cole was very candid the other day when I talked to him about his delivery, and, and he said, "Listen, it just takes repetition to, to fix it. You know, you, you can talk about uh, working on it in the bullpen, but until you take it out into the game, you really don't know if you fixed it, and it, it takes some repetition." And and with Jake, I think there's there's got to be some trial and error because of 
how much he is across his body and because it isn't a, a traditional delivery. So so he's got to kind of, he's, he's got to guess a little bit on, on where he's going to um, make the adjustment and where he's going to land. It, you know, it, it, it's not like, okay, let's just get this body going in a straight line. It's, it, it's where do I have to, you know, how do I have to place my feet? How do I have to, to, to swivel my hips? And it's a release. Something uh, Barry's good at. Yeah, there you go. And it's a release point issue too, because you're, you know, when you're finishing toward the plate, you know, you just, you know, it's it's an easier release point. When, when he's releasing the ball, he's kind of coming across, and there's there's more of a okay, right. it's it's now. It's not like it just rolling off your fingers. So it's a there's a right. lot of issues involved. All right, now let's let's move on from pitching because I want to talk. I was thinking about this watching the game yesterday. You the watched Cowboys the game game. yesterday. I did. Uh, you, you it, know, I just want to tell you, you're in a distinct minority. How many How many people watched that game yesterday? Barry? Not many. Evan, I'm, I'm not going to ruin your day by telling you what the rating of the Rangers was. It was a was 1. 1.8. The Cowboys 1. were at a 33. 1.8 to 33. Can you believe that, Evan? Oh, man, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah, there we go. Uh, in watching that game yesterday, I'm thinking about all the guys who have been added to this roster since the season started. For the team that has the best record in the American League, I haven't looked this up, but I would have to believe they've had more upheaval on their roster uh, among the starters. More contributors. More contributors, yes, People absolutely. People expect to contribute. Yeah, and it wasn't like – and these were not all situations where guys were re- re- replacing injured guys. I guess it is, essentially, because of Chu and because of Fielder. But you might have re- they might, might, might have replaced Fielder even if he hadn't been injured, right? Might have made um. I don't think they would have replaced him. I think they might have. I don't think they would have replaced him um, on the roster. I do think that the playing time situation might have changed. I'm trying to remember the time frame. It it would have been reduced tremendously. Was was Fielder? Did Fielder retire? He retired though after the trade deadline. Uh, No, he he well he didn't announce it until after the trade deadline. But he played his last game like July 18th, I believe it was. Okay. So anyway, uh, it's kind of remarkable. To your point, Kevin. To your point, I mean, Lucroy, Gomez, and Beltran, uh, Beltran. Uh, and Beltran have, I believe, now 18 home runs between the two of them. Three, of, three, of, three of them. Three of them. That's yeah. three, Evan. Um, in in five weeks, which is it is remarkable. And you looked at, you know, you look at Saturday night's game. They scored eight runs. One of them scored on a wild pitch, and one of them. Uh, was driven in by a guy who started the season with the club, but the other six were driven in by guys who they added since July 31st. So they've added significant they've added significant heft to this lineup, uh, and, and it's, it's it's a big reason why this team has scored. I think yes, they scored only two yesterday, but I believe of their last 13 games they've scored six or more runs. So right now. They're never out of a game because that offense can provide uh, can provide power and and has multiple ways to score. The question is going to be: You're not going to face Jared Weaver, and you're not going to face Daniel Wright, and you're not going to face Tyler Skaggs in the postseason. Right. You're going to be facing you're going to be facing a different caliber of pitcher. But uh, on the flip side of that, Evan, they're never you can never lock away a game with the, with the way the bullpen is pitching. You so if even if you're up six two or seven one or seven three. There's always going into the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. There's always that fear of the bullpen. I, I and and I understand that, Barry. But I also think that Kansas City last year was such an anomaly with how good their bullpen was. I, I just I look at the 162 game season now, 
I look at how much guys get used. I look at the lack of PEDs and the lack of amphetamines in the game. And there's a significant fatigue issue there. And um, I think that's I think that's the way the game probably you know should be played. I think we should be on a level playing field, and we shouldn't be using artificial uh, artificial means of, of improving performance. But I do think that it makes for a more unpredictable bullpen. And and this is why you know last year the Rangers added some fresh arms at the deadline, and that helped tremendously. This year they tried to do the same thing with the Jeffress deal. It hasn't worked out. Um, Tanner Shepherds, however, has pitched the last two days, Saturday and Sunday. He only faced one batter on Saturday and got him out on two pitches. But he's been very encouraging so far. And, and that was an intriguing addition for September, a fresh arm like Shepherds uh, for the postseason could be a huge difference maker because that one inning is going to be – it's going to be a high leverage inning, and if Tanner proves capable there, that gives the Rangers something that most other clubs aren't going to have. So, in a perfect world, where does he fit in in the bullpen, Shepherds? Uh, perfect world, he could you know he could pitch sixth or seventh. I think the eighth and the ninth are still going to primarily be reserved for Bush, Deakman, and, and Dyson in some in in some order. But I think you know the big issue right now is on days when you only get five, which you may well get. Um, especially from those three and four starters, if you've got if you've got guys that you can rely on to get you to the sixth and seventh, and this is why getting Tony Barnett back uh, healthy after this little oblique strain that's, that's knocked him out for a week, and and having Shepherds make such a difference, and also you know the other part about the the, the playoff schedule is once you get to the playoffs, you're not going to have to you're you're going to be able to get a guy a day off every every third day, so you don't have to worry that much about overworking them at that point. And we've seen uh, when uh, Matt Bush got to pitch the other day, I, I believe he had had uh, two days off, and he's throwing 98-99 uh, right away. And I think that the, the, I think the numbers have shown this year when you get him a couple of days off, uh, his fastball is noticeably better. Uh, I mean, everybody's I, is, but, but I think his is noticeably better. I, I, here's the one thing I'd be, I'd be wary of on this is, and, and, and that was brought up, but the guns in Seattle and, and Anaheim are notoriously faster. They're a tick or two faster than most other places. The gun in, in, in Arlington is considered to be a slower gun. So it's, you, you almost have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. It's, it's why, for me, there was a big deal on, um, uh, on, on Deakman the other night in Seattle the, the first couple of batters, he was 94 and 95, whereas in previous outings in Seattle, he had been at 97. And, and, and so to me, that that signified that there was a big difference. Um, if you compare it to the overall body of work, sometimes you just get all the numbers get a little bit blurry because of the technology. Does, does the gun in, in, in Arlington, is it slower because of, does open carry have anything to do with it? Oh, my gosh. No, but but uh, I, I don't even know what he said. I'm not going to. Okay, uh, Evan, Evan, get some sleep before you come on this podcast with us, and don't and don't tell me you flew all night and and you didn't get any sleep. There's no excuse. The podcast should be your number one priority. Hey, but but let me. Podcast let, is my number one priority, Barry. Let me let me let me ask you an, another quick question uh, of a reliever you didn't mention and where he fit, Kella. Kella. Go ahead. 
He, what, 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 what's he's just the, throwing names at you just to see what your response is. This is kind of like a kind of like a psychologist. Oh, that was the question. Was the question was that was actually the question? No, well, you, you met you mentioned a bunch of relief pitchers, but you left out Kella, and I and I just want to know. Um, well, I, I I mean I think he only has, has struggled this year. He, he listen, he was he was a guy who potentially was overworked last year. Um, uh, he pitched through elbow pain late last year. He had the elbow surgery early this year. He's 22. And uh, you factor in the fickleness of, of bullpen performance, and this has just not been a good year for him. The biggest difference in, in, in Keone this year has not been the batting average against or the walks or anything like that. It's been that he has left pitches in the middle of the zone in key situations and has given up more home runs per nine innings than before. And then those will damage, you know, those will cause a lot of damage. This, this bullpen overall, I don't have these numbers. It just seems to me has given up a lot more home runs than it did last year. Has it not? Uh, no, I think they are. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but uh, I, I think that's, um, I think we've, we've documented that, that, that the, the number of home runs per nine innings that this, this bullpen is giving up is significantly, um, greater than last year. And, and and do you think there's any reason to attribute that to, to maybe the different approach that Doug Brokale has and that Jeff Bannister wants? You know, I know they want them to challenge guys inside, but if you're not getting that pitch inside, you're, you're, there's going to be that tendency to leave it out over the plate, and there it goes. No, I think I think that's why pitching inside is so difficult because if you, if you don't get the pitch to the exact location you want, you're going to leave it over the plate you're going to leave it in the hitting zone. Guys are going to cause are, are going to do some damage against you, and then you're going to get more um, reluctant to, to, to go back there uh, the next time out. So yeah, I think that there's been I think some of that is involved. And listen, I mean, you look at guys like Dyson, and you look at guys, and Deakman. Those guys were in really high leverage roles last year for the first time. Kella as well. And I think you know you have to factor in that that, that there's got to be some level of fatigue over a two-year time period. Evan, we know that you're uh, really, really tired. We appreciate you coming, and you've been, you stayed up all night to do this podcast with us, and we appreciate that so much. Go get your bags. Go get in a cab. Go to your hotel. Get yourself a little nap before the game what, this evening. Uh, my big question is, why did you fly in, into the airport that's furthest away from where you have to be? Evan? <laughs> Evan, it's collapsed. I, I don't have an answer for that, Barry. <laughs> it's just the way the schedule worked out this time, and sometimes things don't work out the way you'd like it. I would just like to say that, Barry, I appreciate you using your inside voice this week. Um, well, I, I, didn't wa- I didn't want to wake you up. I know you guys have, have other big podcasts coming up, and I'm really sorry that I'm not there to be part of it this week. But will you be with us next week? I look forward to being there next week. You know, next week we may debut our new open to intro, the, to intro, uh, intro and outro. The in, uh, it's the open and close to our podcast. Intro and outro. That'll that'll be awesome. I can't wait to hear it. And, and Evan, you'll be happy to know I've seen this. I've seen the script, and it features you. You're the star of the of the intro and the outro. Does that make you feel good? But you have to well, see. It's just, it, it, it's just 
how things should be. So, I mean, that's, that's fine. All right, Evan. Listen, it's great to, to hear from you. Have a good time down there in Houston. Go to good company while you're there. Uh, eat some uh, uh, etouffee for me, and, uh, and we will see you when you get back. I, I love you both like, like my father's. <laughs> what? <laughs> tra- tra- travel safe. See Evan, Goodbye. and there goes Evan Grant stumbling to a cab. You know, Evan, what what listeners don't know and they don't have to know is that he's until the podcast starts, he sounds like death warmed over, and then he perks up, and then he perks up, and and he, and he, and he's he's all giddy and happy. He's a pro. See, here's my thinking about Evan when he's 85 years old and on his deathbed. I thought he was 85, and years he's old a, already. and he's about to go. They should just say, Mr. Grant, we have your podcast ready. And he'll... he'll, he'll oh! oh! Hello, everybody! He'll pop up. Hey, what's going on, everybody? But, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was actually... When he texted this morning at 6.30, and I think he was at... Uh, he said, I'm, le- I'm, I'm on my layover on my way. And I, and I said, where are you? And he said, I'm at DFW. And I, I just didn't... I, th- I, I didn't know where he was. And yeah, just I didn't understand it. why he was flying... Yeah, I didn't understand why he was flying here and going straight to Houston. I, I, I thought... Uh, you know, I thought other things would have been done, but Evan wanted to be out there on the he front could have lines. Been a, he, he could have been on the Below Charter. Yeah, Below Charter. We don't have one of those. All right, Kevin, what else do we have going on today? I'll tell you what else we got going tell on me. today. On our college podcast, we've got the great Barry Trammell from the Daily Oklahoma, the columnist in, in Oklahoma, to talk about the crazy things going on. First of all, last weekend uh, in the Ohio State loss to Central Michigan, and he will Oklahoma talk, State lost. I'm sorry, did I say Ohio State? You did. Well, I was because I was thinking about the, the Ohio State Oklahoma game oh, coming which up, which is coming up this week. So uh, we got a, a couple of big things to talk about with him. And then on our Cowboys podcast, we're going to have Kate Haropoulos on to talk about that opening loss. Well, I hope the sun's not in her eyes when she's when she's Ooh. talking when she's talking to us. Yeah, that's and, a good point. But uh, oh, the, there's some music from Brian. He's in a hurry. Right. Brian's ready to go. we got to get going on to this thing. We've got stuff to do. We have things to do, people to go, places to see. Or whatever. Whatever. Everybody, thanks for listening to this baseballsy edition of Ballsy. Bye.